Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to the dinner table. I am always, always so glad to be with you here, and I am so happy to be with my new friend, Cassandra Villarreal. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Our friendship has become a fast flame yes. because we didn't know each other, and now the you've come out to the farmer's market several times, and here you are at the dinner table. And I was so glad to have you out at the full moon dinner table. We're going to talk about that some more on another day. Yeah, it's been really amazing. Um, it's interesting because I've been like following you, you know, a bit mm-hmm. on uh, Facebook for a little while. And then I'm like, okay, like, you know, let's check her out and see what she has going on. And I didn't think you were so close to uh-huh. me, you know, like where I lived. And um, it's just really neat. Like when you have those mutual friends and then you start uh-huh. like connecting and uh-huh. creating those connections. Whenever I saw that you were like, you know, Mondays yeah. and all of those things. And I'm like, this sounds like something I want to start doing. I'm very much in a space of like, I'm willing to try almost anything now. Like Mm -hmm. it's so interesting, this, like this openness that I've created within my life and just being so open to so many things that I'm like, I don't know. I have never really worked in the dirt. I can, I have a brown thumb, you know, I can barely keep anything alive. You're a woman. You don't have a brown thumb. Let me first by say that because every woman that tells me that I'm like, "Mm -mm, God made you a creator. You can literally like grow things inside of you. You are a grower. You are a creator. So yes, but that doesn't necessarily mean you want to do it all the time, but your brown thumb is all in your mind. It's all coding. That's true. (laughs) I think it's just something we say, like we all have those things. It's like, oh, well, this is, this is true about me, but it's like, exactly. Is it because, is it true or is it because you haven't really learned or taken the time to, you know, like learn the skill? Yes. I appreciate learning how many more people as I've come back across the bridge, because I grew up in Portland. I graduated from high school at Gregory Portland. You're in Ingleside right now. Yes. And so coming back, OTB coming over here on this side, I've met a lot of people around this area and it's been really good for me to get to know more people interested in what I'm doing on this side of the bridge. The, um, grow local world was, it made sense to start that whole network in Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I actually did a, um, business plan that I had to do a speech, innovate her, I think is what it was called. Okay. And it um, was with small business administration. They, they put on this grant opportunity basically. And it was a competition where you could go from Corpus Christi to like the next level to the next level, whatever. At the end of the day, that's never, that's not what I ever want to do. Um, But the idea that we're ultimately growing the network of more people that can, women at home making money at their home, you know, but also to understand that it's wanted over here. Mm, Yes. Yeah. Yes. And giving it a decade to like get ready for that because I was here in Taft on the farm in Mm -hmm. 2012. Okay. But there was no way. I mean, there was not even the Corpus Christi didn't even really have a network. There was one farmer's market that wasn't really struggling. And there was one farmer's market in Rockport that was, I mean, it just, a real farmer's market industry hadn't been started Mm -hmm. yet. Um, I've learned recently that there's a lot more people on the same county road or nearby in Taft that are very interested in the kind of work that I'm doing. And it's just kind of beginning to like get my name out there a little bit more for more people in this side, on this side of the bridge to understand the farm has been here since I was here in 2010. Mm -hmm. Establishment says 2012 on our little establishment sign. Mm -hmm. 
but I've only been out here since 2021. Okay. And so basically so I brought years. myself mm -hmm. back to the side of the bridge and then that's when the, it really started to take off again. And so the mom network, yes. you know, that's really yes. a big deal and it's working. Like yeah. it's people I, I'm wanted, you know, on this yeah. side of the bridge. Yeah. That's amazing. Like this place is such a hidden gem, I think, but it's becoming more, um, like people are becoming more aware of it. Like it's mm -hmm. becoming less hidden. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. it's, the factor of that is, is you being here and you doing all of the things that you're doing here. Like mm -hmm. I look around and I'm like, she's got chickens, she's got rabbits, she's got, you know, pigs and, you know, like just all of the different wildlife mm -hmm. that you have out here. And then of course the plants and, you know, all mm -hmm. of the things that those bring. Um, it's just not anything that a lot of people are doing working the land and you're doing what's best for the soil you're doing what's farm, best for homestead. yeah yeah mm -hmm. like you're doing what's best for the soil you're doing what's best for your animals that you have out here and mm -hmm. really truly like creating that um that ecosystem mm -hmm. you know that works for well i've heard so many people say you know, well, I want to start, you know, crafting, maybe mm -hmm. doing something where they're making stuff with their hands. Um, you know, and I, I have a neighbor and my best friend, they both have chickens. Mm -hmm. So I get free eggs, you uh -huh. know, I'm like, they're like, here, you have some eggs. And I'm, I'm yeah. always happy to share the wealth. I'm like, I know these chickens are well taken care of. I know they're, yep. you know, so it's just really neat to have that kind of like thing. And it's like, are we just going to start like becoming a barter system you know mm -hmm. it's like if i make this for you or i do this for you mm -hmm. um and i think people are awakening to having so many different skills than i think we've ever had before because mm -hmm. there's no way like you were saying with the plant with the brown thumb like there are ways to learn yeah like there's so many ways to learn whether you're getting in and you're actually getting the experience of doing it or if you watch a video on youtube or whatever you know like it's really yeah. neat just to like see how how much people are wanting to learn new skills and do things differently than mm -hmm. we've ever done before. Mm -hmm. Like how many people are getting away from that eight to five, nine to five job and actually, you know, doing what we are feel we are called to do or just trying different things until we find what we're called to do. So people are looking for it. And it's I get asked the question quite regularly actually about how do you do it? How do you step out of that corporate world? How do you like, how do I step away? You know, I want to do this. I want to do that. And basically what I've learned over the years is that, and I would say that like, I'm a, I'm a veteran mom, work at, work at home mom, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I, I just started and that's where my entrepreneurial stuff started. I wanted to be home with my kids. My greatest luxury was being home with my kids. And so when I looked at my life, everything, like if I had, um, you know, the most expensive, best clothes and cars and all of that stuff, it just, for me, those weren't the luxuries that were satisfying to me. What was satisfying to me in terms of luxuries was having freedom to be at home with my children mm -hmm. to, uh, if I had, uh, the flu that I didn't have to try to go to work, you know, or send my kids to school when they were sick mm -hmm. or whatever, we just, we took care of things at home and those were my luxuries. And so as people start to ask me that question mm -hmm. about, okay, how do I do it? And, oh, I keep wanting to go out and spend money. And I'm like, okay, well, what's going to happen is that you're going to go through these next few weeks and months and beginning to develop your desires in life, your intentions for where you want to go. And if you continually keep going back to spending money and buying coffee and all of the things you did when you worked, mm -hmm. you're going to have to go back to work. 
Yeah. You have to decide what your luxury actually is. What is it that you desire most, right? And for me, I learned that. I learned mm -hmm. that what I desired most was the freedom to be available for my children at any time. Yeah. But I also still had to make, sadly, we live in a dual income household. We mm -hmm. That started with my parents, right? My parents right. started the dual income household. And then even more so the Gen Xers, we abs there was no choice anymore mm -hmm. because we all mm -hmm. had college loans we had to pay off, right, right. you know? And so it's like, okay, we live in a society. So then you get to us having children and your generation having children. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, uh, I live in a society that is based on a dual income economics. How do I do that? Well, what happened is a lot of women started becoming work at home moms, crafters. Yeah. They came up with other types of things. And then we kind of started sharing that. But at the same time, I think that what we're dealing with right now to a degree is that people didn't clarify their values and their luxuries mm. and they continued to keep spending money and buying houses they couldn't afford. Right, and so right. now we have a huge debt issue going on mm -hmm. because we were still trying to act like our parents and have the house and the car and the da 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 da, da but only have one income and then maybe an entrepreneurial income at right. home. And I'm not saying you can't have the best of all worlds. I believe that you can. I think we got our values a little jacked mm, up. I think we didn't yeah. know what we actually, what, what we most valued. Right. And so I think that to me, that's the big question of what, and it's not just women, by the way, it, there's, there's a lot of men out there. My brother um, just turned 40 a couple of days ago mm -hmm. and he is uh, now runs a pool business in he oh, okay. lives in Port Aransas, mm -hmm. but you know, he had the big industry job mm -hmm. and had a big, nice house in Port Aransas or a nice house in Port Aransas. I wouldn't say he had a big old, whatever, right. but he yeah. had a nice, and you know, the house prices over there are really like high. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was just so unhappy with industry that mm. he, and together him and his wife, you know, worked it out and really, they're both really smart about it. But I, I think that, I think that your generation mm -hmm. is the generation that's, that is that, that's my brother. He's saying, you know, it's like y'all's generation is the one that's like, okay, we're going to take this on because yeah. we just like, what's the point? Right. Like, why well, do not want to live like this anymore? I am 40, right. like her brother. <laughs> I yeah. turned 40 this. I decided to stay home for a little while. I'm a counselor by trade. You know, I got mm -hmm. my master's and then I had my first son and I was like, I just can't work and be a mom at the same time. Like it was just a mm -hmm. lot. Um, and so it was, it was just a decision. I was like, we don't need a bigger house. Like it's not something that's required, yeah. you know, and we don't trade in our vehicles every year. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. um, it's just one of those things like I'm willing to, you know, like keep something for a long time. I stopped buying, um, like I, I used to have like a collection of purses and a collection of shoes and like right. all of these things. Yeah. And I just like slowly, I'm like the less you have sometimes, like the more you have freedom, you have, yep. you know, just that ability yep. to like, I've been working on decluttering our home. It's yep. so hard when we have things, you know, that we, that we bring in from our past. And then it's like, well, that's not a part of who I am anymore, mm -hmm. you know, but it, you also, it's like nostalgic and you're like, well, wait, but I really, you know, want to keep this because it reminds me of this or this or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really sometimes difficult to let those things go. And then of course we have kids. So we have so much stuff and I have right. two boys and I'm like, okay, so the older one grows he grows so fast, but I like to save the clothes for the younger one, uh -huh. you know, to have hand-me-downs, but then I'm still shopping at Walmart to buy clothes. Do you really need all of the things that you have? Is that something that's bringing you joy? Good to have nice things. That's yeah. just one thing that I've been like 
realizing and I'm like, I need to figure out what it is that I really want and need. And so that's one thing I think about is that, you know, we're coded to shop. We're coded to go get some, to buy something that's going to make us feel better. And at the end of the day, I can guarantee you, it's not going to make mm -mm. you feel better. That's definitely one of the things I've learned. And the thing about it is, is that if you walked around my house and looked at things, you'd be like, oh my God, that's name brand, name brand, name brand, name brand, name brand. What is she talking about? She, mm -hmm. you know, I have mm -hmm. nice clothes. I have nice shoes. I have, I have the most expensive shoes. I have the most expensive couches. I have the most expensive. I, I wouldn't even know. Well, no, no, <laughs> because it's not, that's not how I live my life and yeah. it's not what it's about. And 95% of it came from a thrift store or was a hand-me-down that somebody gave me, right. but I take really good care of things yeah. because they have great value to me. And I also don't collect junk. Mm -hmm. I don't hold on to things that have no real, I don't just go and buy a bunch of things. Right. I have three pairs of the best overalls. You will see them me in them <laughs> every and single again. time, you know, right. I buy one pair of hiking boots every about 18 months. And then I'm going to buy another pair of hiking boots yeah. 18 months later. You know what I mean? I would say one of my greatest talents is, um, resource management. Okay. Understanding the value and really how important that thing is to mm -hmm. me and whether it's worth spending my money on or not. I, I, I saw somebody post the other day that she, needed to buy a car. I know she's been challenged with her, um, uh, income and stuff like that. I've just been trying to figure some things out. A lot of it is just these old ideas that yeah. ultimately a huge part of what I'm looking at in my life and I'm looking at in the world and I'm looking at differently is I just don't even want to be a part of that anymore. Right. I yeah. just, it's not for me anymore. The consumption of, uh, the next best thing for your face or your skin or your, you don't even know what's in that stuff sometimes. Well, that's, the, <laughs> and that, and that has always been a bit of a thing for me, yeah. like that part of it, you know, it's why I started to grow local. It's why I do the things that I do. But at the same time, you turn on anything, you scroll the and they're about to tell you that you're not good enough. You need to buy this thing yep. or here's the answer to the problem Buy this thing. And I think to me, and when we get into the conversation of people making the choices to be at home and to, you know, uh, cook their own meals and to change their lives, it's ultimately you gotta, it's almost as if you've, you, you put out a list you know, of the, the, the goods and the bads mm -hmm. and you just go down the list and you can decide like, what's, what's real here. What right. Actually. And I don't think, I think that we have to go through some tower moments, maybe mm -hmm. uh, a new, uh, an identity crisis, a mm -hmm. midlife crisis, whatever. Like mm -hmm. I, you don't even have to call it a crisis. Maybe there's just a point in life that we have to get to before we say, you know what? None of that stuff is satisfying me. Yeah. You know, like the expense, it's, it's nice to have quality shoes and quality clothes, but buying more and more and more expensive mm -hmm, brands of mm -hmm. things and just keep buying more and more and more and more just to buy. Right. That doesn't satisfy right. me. It just absolutely, I, I, that's the biggest thing I think I faced in 2021 was getting here to the farm, which was supposed to be the the ginormous manifestation of everything that I'd ever dreamed of. The only thing left on my manifestation pad of visual writing things that I've been doing for years is my voice to be traveling the world. That's mm. like, that's it. Me or We're my voice traveling there. the world, right? Uh -huh. The only thing left that I hadn't manifested yet 
And I looked at my life and I was like, I am still not satisfied. There's got to be something that isn't work that, that, that this isn't about getting the next manifestation. This isn't mm -hmm. about getting, 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 mm -hmm. getting, it's not about that. It's gotta be something different. Yeah. And so that's been a huge part. And then of course I had like a massive tower moment, mm -hmm. which, you know, with the breakup in 2023 and just like things that were coming right. that hadn't yeah. happened yet. Well, you got to have another one of my one pot wonder meals tonight, or we got to prepare, yes. I guess is a better way to say it. Um, and okra too. Yeah. Are you a big okra fan? Um, not really, but only <laughs> like, you know, the only way I've ever really known of it is like fried okra right. or whatever, you know, it's not really put in like a whole lot of dishes that I've, you know, eaten in my life. And I mean, it's just, it was really good though. Like I was, you know what you made, it was like, you said it was a stir fry and I'm like, okay, you know, whenever I think of stir fry, I think Asian, you yeah, know, yeah. like Asian stir fry. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then, so I saw you like adding tomatoes to it and I was like, oh, that's, this is not stir fry, but it actually yeah. had like a, like a spaghetti-esque, you know, uh -huh. kind of flavor. And I really enjoyed it. Like it was really good. I was like, this is, you know, I'm pretty open to like a lot of different kinds of foods. I'm not like picky a lot of times about what I eat. I'm like, it's, it was delicious. I changed the recipe a little bit because I didn't have big fresh tomatoes and somehow I missed that on the recipe when I was reading through it. Mm -hmm. I found the recipe. It was another one of my like AI things that mm -hmm. I've a couple of weeks ago when Michael was on, he was like, have you ever tried? That is genius. And it's so genius because I have so many dietary things uh -huh. and then also I'm going to be using what I have from the gardens. Right. Right. So it's just this random, okay, I Swiss chard and I've got basil and I've got ground beef. What do I do with that? And so we made the recipe that we made last week. I've used it for all kinds of things. Like the ice cream that I made for the full moon party, mm. pear and coconut milk. Mm -hmm. I looked it up because I wanted no dairy and no yeah. sugar. And the thing is, is that I want to be able to have all the satisfying foods yes. that other people can eat. And I believe that it's possible. And so I'm like, okay, AI has this ability to do a much bigger outreach, you know, to go out there and find some stuff and bring it back. And so basically that's what happened with this recipe. I was like, I've got okra and I've got um, another thing of ground beef. And let me just see what I can come up with. I've got bell peppers coming out of mm -hmm. the garden. I think that adding the tomato, the, like the diced tomato, diced stewed tomatoes, basically, is probably why it was a little bit more like spaghetti, mm -hmm. like the ground beef yeah. and that, you know, flavor. But it was cumin. And I actually used cumin seed. Okay. And then I used a little bit of camino and then paprika and then turmeric, which I wish I probably would have put a little bit more turmeric mm -hmm. in there. Um, and lots of coriander, tons of coriander and some coriander salt that I make. Right. Um, and then of course it had onions from my garden, bell peppers from my garden, okra from my garden, the garlic's not from my garden and the canned tomatoes not from my garden. And then I use, uh, organic grass fed, man, you know what? I am teaching the HEB checkout people, um, all kinds of lessons these oh, days. Really? Cause I go through the grocery store about once a week now. Okay. And when I go to check out the girl, uh, said, oh, um, the grass is, is this coupon is for grass fed beef, which had organics on the front of it. And she, this isn't grass fed. And I was like, oh no, it's totally grass fed. And she, yeah. and I pulled it out and pointed to it. It's grass fed. And she was like, oh, I never realized that the organic meat was grass fed. I was like, yeah, it just means that the pasture that they let that cow eat on 
is certified organic. Mm, That's all that means. Okay. Gotcha. And it's just, and it's funny because one time I went through there, um, they do this thing at HEB where they say, or, or at least at the Portland HEB, they do this thing where they say, um, we've got brownies yes. and uh, the brownies are fresh and cooked and they're going to be right up at the checkout. <laughs> so you can buy some brownies oh and they, they puff the brownie smell out into mm-hmm. the store so everybody can buy some brownies. I and... know and every single cashier asks you, do you yes. want brownies? Yes. Do you want brownies? Are you sure you don't want brownies? Yeah. No, I don't want brownies. Yeah. And I, and so I got asked that question. Um, and it was a girl that I, I see pretty regularly. I, um, I think her name is like Penelope. And the reason I know that is because we've talked about our names being different, like Penelope and Aislinn, like having oh, yeah. these different names. And this was actually not the brownies this time. It was the cookie. It was the pumpkin cookies. Oh yes. Cause it's pumpkin season. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I was like, Oh no, I do not want those. That's like the last thing I want. Have you seen my cart? And, and, and she kind of giggled a little bit and I was like, um, I could tell you, I could go on to tell you that in my opinion, those are poisonous. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was like, but you probably don't want to hear that. And she goes, she goes like this. She goes, actually, I wouldn't be, um, unwilling to hear what you have to say about that. Nice. So I shared a few yeah. little things with yeah. her, you know, uh, I love getting to those conversations with yes. people and I love when they ask for it. I've always been that, like <laughs> my mom uses the term turd in a punch bowl, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm <laughs> like, like I'm the person that like nobody wants to sit, sit, sit with at the school party or whatever, Mm -hmm. because I'm, I, I will literally sit there with nothing in front of me Mm -hmm. rather than eat that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, everybody's like non down and they're having a conversation about cancer and stomach pain and all that. Like they're sitting next to me talking about all these things while they eat the food Uh that I know is poison. And the last thing they want is to hear from me. Right. But if they turn to me and ask me a question, it's about to get like, and, and so I'm trying so hard to learn how to fit in, yes. but not like, I'm not about to change what I have to say, but I also am not like, I don't have to be so aggressive about it. I don't have to be so like, know it all about mm, it. You know what I yeah. mean? You, you almost want to like, just shout it from the rooftops. Hey, did you know? There's like, gotta be like a, an essence to it, right? Like you've mm-hmm. got to like come in and be like, Okay they do want the information, but how do I share this with them in a way that's not going to scare the crap out of them? Like, okay. This made me think of something. So the other day when I was in the grocery store, I saw there was like all like tons of bags of mung bean sprouts. I looked at that and I was like, huh, what a different world it is from, I don't know, probably about 15 years ago when I was in the teacher's lounge this was before my ex-husband and I split up and okay. I was, and I was doing everything I could to make that relationship to like to find a place mm-hmm. where we fit together. And so I was, I had gone back to school to get my master's in certification in education, which okay. I don't have that because I stopped because it wasn't for me. You're like, nah. Uh, yeah. I just have a giant student loan debt um, related <laughs> to a master's degree that I don't have. Oh, wonderful. Um, but I went and worked at school as a para. So I was in the teacher's lounge and I would, you know, have my lunch and my lunch always looked different than everybody else's lunch, like completely different. And that was, and this is 15 or 20 years ago. Right. And people were asking me a few questions, you know, here or there, a joke got brought up. Somebody was like, oh yeah, we heard that you make clay eat mung beans. What the hell is a mung bean? You know? And now I'm like looking at mung bean sprouts all over the shelves at the grocery store or whatever. It's wild. And it, 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 uh-huh. it is, there's been a lot of change. You have to tell them what you want. You have the like, grocery stores yes, and the people you have to who ask are providing you our want. food. And yes. if you don't do that, it's never going to change. Continually keep asking people where did that beef come from? Where did that? And they would come back and they'd be like, 
oh, we don't know. And I'd be like, well, then I don't want that. But if you right. ever get grass fed or if you ever get da, da, da. And now we actually, like the fact that I can buy organic grass fed ground beef, beef at, the store, at the grocery store. I heard there's also raw cow's milk cheese. There is. Love it. So yeah, I totally am appreciative of the shift and the changes that we've For seen sure. over the years. But it's because we talk about it. It's because yeah. we say what we want. I know so many of us are becoming way more health conscious. Like we've talked about this, like there is a collective like awakening where we are just working towards like becoming more, you know, aware of what we want and becoming healthier and we're tired. We're sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Absolutely. Right? That's it. Like, I think we're tired of being in pain. Yeah. Physically, mentally, spiritually, we are tired of being in pain. And we've yeah. realized that the doctors don't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And as I think the pandemic taught us, us that more than anything yes, else. Did. It's yes. like, I think the good thing is we're at a phase now where we don't trust every priest, every doctor, mm. every teacher, yep. every yep. police officer, every, but the bad part about it is, and this is welcome to my world okay. for 20 years. Okay. And that is, I chose to, to I, I didn't trust that stuff. And so I stepped out. Well, when you step out, you then have to trust yourself. You mm -hmm. then have to rely on yourself yep. to solve some of these problems. I'm so grateful for like LaDonna, naturopath here in town, <laughs> yes. that I can go over and talk to. Yes. People like we talked tonight about the network of holistic healing, yes. you know, whatever. Yes. The thing is, is that we need each other to bounce ideas off of 100%. and to ask for support in and to say, are you seeing these things? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? And each one of us has a different, like LaDonna may be uh, great at sharing mm -hmm. the, the information, the scientific information of why this is so important for you to deal with your yes. autoimmune issues, right? But then I'm out at the farmer's market every Saturday selling products to people, food, and right. I can actually talk about inflammation and autoimmune disorders and have face-to-face -face conversation with the public that might not even know there's a naturopath yes. in town yet, right? Yes. But, at, but the thing that's even bigger to me with all of that stuff is, is that we never learned how to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that I believe is where we are in the collective shift. Mm -hmm. It's learning to listen to ourselves, learning to heal ourselves and stop trying to project it out onto other people yes. and heal everybody else around. Dude, every single time I listen to some podcast, YouTube video or whatever, I immediately start thinking who all needs to hear this rather than I need to hear this. Think about how often you do that where you're like, oh, my husband needs to hear this. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. my mom needs yes. to hear this. Yes. Oh, so-and-so, my brother needs right. to hear or, this. Or you're in church and yeah. you hear a message. Oh, did you hear what they said? You know, yeah. were you paying attention? It's like, was I? Yeah. Was I paying attention? Was right. I listening to it? Was I, you know, yeah. resonating with it? So yeah, that's, that's, that's one thing that I've really started like just becoming more aware of is my own personal responsibility for my own life mm -hmm. and for my own things that I have going on, taking responsibility for, you know, just whatever it is that's happening in my life and, and knowing that I actually do know what's best for me. I just ignore it at times. Mm -hmm. And it's because I think I'm putting myself aside for other people mm -hmm. and that does not leave me feeling fulfilled. Right. Putting myself aside for other people, for what, you know, what society wants or for what I think, you know, my family wants or just, you know, like whatever mm -hmm. it is like that. It's, 
it's more of an awareness of of like okay like what does cassandra want what do i actually what actually fulfills me what actually helps me feel more connected to other people Mm -hmm. you know um and not resentful you know Mm -hmm. of like um and it's it's a really hard place to be in but it's also a really beautiful place to be in because i'm like just realizing that i have the power to take responsibility yes. for my life, yeah. for the person I am inside, and um, you know, for my body, for how I treat myself, or how I yeah. talk to myself, yeah. and not allowing, you know, like not and and then that in turn turns it around and be like, you know, what you'll allow and what you won't, you know, mm-hmm. into your body, into your mind, like all of those things. And it's just a beautiful thing when we start taking that like responsibility for our lives. I love viewing it as responsibility yep. because a lot of times we're looking at other people and we're thinking the responsibility is on them, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's ours. And, and, and responsibility is power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's where the power lies is where yeah. the responsibility yep. is. So if you're telling somebody you make me angry or you make me happy, you know, or you make me da da da. Or even if somebody says, yeah. I want to make you happy. And it's like, right. that's not on you. Yeah. You know, yes. like that's my responsibility yeah. to feel happy. And it's my responsibility to communicate with you, whether, you know, like I'm happy with what you're doing, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, also, it's such an interesting dynamic. And there's a lot of um, healing that has yeah. definitely been happening for me, you know, yeah. like the last few years. So, yeah taking responsibility for my behaviors. And it's funny because at the end of the relationship, there was comments about my superiority, you know, and I Mm. recognize now that, yeah, like I had these concepts of understanding I'm responsible for myself and feeling really freed, freed by that. Mm -hmm. However, I was still projecting on another human being and saying, this is your fault. This is your fault. This is because of you. This is because of you. And the thing about it is, is that I can't remove that person's responsibility from the table, mm-hmm. but I sure as hell can't remove my responsibility from the right. table. And yeah. I have no control over anybody else except myself. Right. But the other beautiful side of all of that is that when we learn to trust ourselves, we don't need the priest the doctor. All we need from those people anymore is just to be in a, in connection with friends that have knowledge about things that they can, we can intermingle those things yes. together and we can come up with great new solutions rather than essentially walking in and saying, I either trust you or I don't trust you. I'm either angry at you. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't trust anybody. I can't trust the news. I can't. Trust- yeah. no, the only person you have to trust is yourself. Yep. That's yep. it. And you are responsible for all of the behavior around and we're in a time right now where you and I are circling in the same spheres, Yep. but there's a lot, a lot, a lot of community out there that is not ready for that baby blanket to be ripped off of mm. them yet. They are not yep. ready yep. to face that stuff. They are not ready to be responsible for. Mm. And when you say to somebody, when you say things like you are responsible for all the wellness that's occurring in your body, and then somebody ends up with cancer. And the last thing that that's not something people want to face. Right. Mm. And so there's a, there's an element of like a softness and then an understanding that I always use the term non-player character, but in some, some ways that feels a little bit like uncompassionate, right? 
discompassionate. What's the word? Non-compassionate, discompassionate, incompassionate. I don't know. I know I'm a counselor and I'm like, I don't know what we're going to, we're going to hold on to that for next week. (laughs) It's not about ripping people's blankets off. Uh It's about giving what you can and sharing what you know about healing. Mm -hmm. And when people are ready to receive that, they're ready to receive it. And when they're not, they're not. Yeah. I was talking to, um, a guy at the nursery, I went to the nursery yesterday to, I went to Turner's yesterday to buy um, some fertilizer. And um, he asked me about, I was telling him about the farm and about schools. And and I was talking, he asked if San Patricio County schools, the bigger schools got involved. And I was like, you know, I don't really work with the big school districts. It's not that I don't want to. Mm-hmm. It's just that I'm not interested in clawing mm. at it. And those systems are still systems I have to claw at in order to get right. them to participate. Yes. They don't, like a teacher wants to do it, but the administration won't right. pay for a field trip out here because mm-hmm. they're already paying for a field trip to the aquarium and the this and yeah, that, the you know, whatever. wherever they're going. Exactly. Yeah. The regular, like <laughs> 10 things that everybody does in town. And I said, and I said, it, and I've just gotten to that place in my life where I'm just like, They'll come to me. The ones that are ready will come to me. And it's currently, flow so yeah. naturally yeah. when it's time. Exactly. Yes. And it's the homeschooling moms right now. It's the Montessori schools. Mm-hmm. It's the moms who um, just bring their kids out on school days mm-hmm. that are off mm-hmm. or, you know, some like you did with your boys. You know, it's just, there's just these, all these different elements that when people are ready, they'll come. I think that conversation was really good related to the concept of thriving collectively. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that we've been talking about a lot on this podcast, certainly, I mean, I would say in the last couple of years, but certainly in the last six months of episodes about trauma healing. And I think that collectively there's a lot of people, we said earlier, a lot of people are in pain Mm -hmm. and I think they're ready to, I think that there's people that are ready. I think there's people that are numbing. I think that there's, that I've personally learned from trauma healing is really being honest with ourselves Mm. about some of the wounding that we have. Yeah. Yeah. When you came out the first day, just to volunteer, actually, we had some time to talk and you shared with me uh, some stories about foster care and adoption, Mm -hmm. both. Yeah. And those are some of the episodes that we talked about um, in the past and some of the wounding conversations that have been on this podcast. That Those are not things I have experience mm, with, but I yeah. certainly have a lot of experience with trauma healing yeah. um, and dealing with some of the same wounding that can come from the foster care system and adoption and some of that. And yeah. I was hoping that you would share a little bit with us about some of your personal experiences. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, I'm very open about sharing about, um, you know, being in foster care and that what that has looked like for me. So um, I'm originally from California. I lived with my mom till I was 15. I actually have, I have four younger siblings. Mm-hmm. I'm the oldest mm-hmm. and I Which have. carries a lot of weight <laughs> yes, being the oldest. Yes. Definitely. Um, and I have, so one of my sisters, um, she and I share the same father. We're a year and a half apart. Mm-hmm. And then um, I have the three younger siblings. We all, you know, we all just share the same mom, but they have the same dad, the three, you know, they have a different dad, my stepdad, uh, my first one. They're my siblings. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, yeah. they're not half to me yeah. or anything like that. And so, you know, there was my dad and I don't remember much about him because, you know, like I was still very young. I think my, uh, my brother was 
between my sister and my brother, there's like three years difference, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's not a whole lot of time there in between. But my mom, when she went with my first stepdad um, and, you know, had my siblings, we went with her. So there was a lot of um, abuse in that home. There was a Mm -hmm. lot of, I remember, you know, my mom being slapped. I remember there was a lot of drug use. Um, There was even... Um, a guy, we called him Uncle Jack. He lived in a trailer um, on our property and um, he tried sexually molesting me, mm. you know, at one point. Um, and um, and there were other things, you know, there was lots of other things that happened while we were living with him. And um, And I just remember, you know, when my youngest sister was born, she had like, um, she had a blockage in her intestine and she had like a foot and a half of her intestine missing. She had like all these things going on and I was seven mm-hmm. and she had to have surgery then like 36 hours of being born or whatever. So I just remember that she had that and kind it almost kind of seemed from that, like that point I became the main caregiver in mm-hmm. the home mm-hmm. for everybody. And then my mom, I guess decided she wanted to be with another guy. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, second stepfather um she got with him when i was nine and so i remember we moved from california to kingsville texas Mm -hmm. when i was 11. you know it's interesting those things that you remember i still remember the first time he ever slapped her Mm -hmm. he was supposed to be everything was supposed to be different you know he was supposed to be the good guy you know like and all of these things and um i just still remember like we were, you know, like my mom was standing in the kitchen. There was something happening, you know, where she was getting something out of the cabinet above. And I just remember like he slapped her. I don't remember why, you mm-hmm. know, but it's just like, and then of course it was the whole like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's never right. going to happen again. Yeah. You know, yada, yada, yeah. yada. Um, years later, you know, um, took us from California to Kingsville. Um, and I just remember it just got worse and worse. I I counted how many times we moved from when I was 11 to 15. It was like twice a year. We were, <laughs> I was like, we lived in Rivera for like one year for some reason in my freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And there we moved, tw- we lived in two different places in that one year, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm just like thinking back, I'm like, this is wild. Right. Um, <clears throat> CPS, of course, came out to, you know, check on us, check on us. We were never, um, we never wanted to say anything. There was even Mm -hmm. a time where I was knocked unconscious and I, um, told a friend at school and I hid in the bathroom because I didn't want to talk to the counselor or whatever. Like I couldn't even say what happened. Um, and there was sexual abuse going on, you know, um, mm-hmm. and so there was just so many things. So anyway, my sophomore year of high school, that's when we were placed in foster care. And I just remember, you know, I didn't even want to say anything at first. Like I was the oldest. So my job was to keep everyone together, right? Like keep everyone safe, mm-hmm. keep everyone together, take care of everyone. That's a huge, you know? huge, huge responsibility. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My sister, the one who's just younger than me, she actually gave me permission. Mm-hmm. And I remember that's when I opened up. I was like, yes, like, okay, like this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were, you know, we were placed immediately. We got to stay the night or the weekend or something at my friend's house, my best friend, but her mom like worked for CPS or whatever. Yeah. I had, I always tell people like, I pretty much had a unicorn experience in foster care and mm-hmm. I'm not sure like how everything worked out so well. Um, that's not to say it was perfect. That's not right. to say there weren't things that happened that, probably shouldn't have, but it was very different, I think, than a lot of other 
people that I hear for their foster care right. stories. And I should know, cause I worked with foster youth. I was the foster, uh, what is it? The youth specialist for CPS for like four years. Mm-hmm. So I worked with a lot of children and youth in foster care. And it was just interesting to hear their stories and how many foster mm-hmm. homes they had been in and mm-hmm. all the things, RTCs, you know, all of that. So anyway, I feel like in some way there there's those synchronicities, those things happen for a reason, mm-hmm. like so that you could get to the point to where you are today with, yes. I mean, I know there's a lot of a more story that goes with it, but yes. to where that you went through an experience that was different in order to get you here where you yes. are today. Yes, know? for sure. Yeah. I know I was uh, talking to another friend of mine about that too, because she, um, she and I are very similar. Mm-hmm. We're both the oldest. We were both in foster care. And mm-hmm. I was just like wondering, I'm like, how are we the way that we are? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. with wanting to change things in the way that mm-hmm. people perceive just, you know, like all just families and kids and like all the different things. So um, jumping back in a little bit. So I went to the Laredo, the scan shelter in Laredo for like five weeks and then went to my foster home in Kingsville. Mm-hmm. Like I got to move back to my town, you mm-hmm. know, which is really neat. Um, me and my sister, my brother, the one, the, the three oldest of us, we were placed in the same foster home um, mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. My two youngest sisters, they only were ever in one placement. Mm-hmm. which was their foster to adopt home, mm-hmm. which is on the King Ranch. Mm-hmm. So we were all together. You know, we mm-hmm. weren't together, but we got to see each other all the yeah. time. We got to spend holidays together. And their um, their adoptive parents actually offered to adopt me and my sister. But I was already like 16, 17, and I decided to go to A&M Kingsville. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be right here, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I actually got to stay in my foster home until I was 19. Mm-hmm. So I stayed and I helped while I was going to college. A different, I was part of a really cool organization on campus, which was for former foster youth, foster care alumni. Mm-hmm. We were called Showing New Alumni Positive Success. We actually got asked to go to this conference in California and tell them what we were doing on campus for foster youth. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, I'm part of like this wave of change yeah. for youth in foster care. Yeah. When I graduated from high school, the um, the rate for former foster youth who graduated from college was 1%. Mm-hmm. Now it's 3%. Uh-huh. I'm part of that 3%. Yes. You know, I have Pat my yourself master's. on the back for being a part of the people that helped him shift that in the right, right direction. Kind of yes. like getting people to ask about food at the grocery store, yes. whatever. Like this is, and I, I, I look, I'm so much in the belief of Everything that happens in life is for you. Yes. Even the yes. worst things that happen yes. are for you. Yes. And so in order for systems to change, you have to have people that go through those systems that are a part of the change. Because yes. I certainly am not going to be able to change the foster care system. Right. I have yeah. no experience with yeah. it. And I'm going to be on the outside way of thinking about it because I don't have the same, I can't mm. see through the eyes of somebody right. that's had that experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's one of my greatest fears about a lot of our systems is that you have people a lot of times that are making decisions about systems that don't have the experience with it. Dude. Yeah. Yes. People having really, really challenging lives. And we just say, Oh my God, like, you know, you never want somebody to have to go through something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. However, if people didn't go through those things, then we wouldn't have people that could change those things on a collective level. Right. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I do look back at my life and I'm like, 
I, I've made so many active choices that have definitely yeah. led me to where I am today. Um, and so, um, you know, whenever I went to this conference, that's when the light bulb went off. You need to be a counselor uh-huh. for children and youth in foster care. Uh-huh. I've received my master's. I went to AM Corpus for uh-huh. that. Um, a lot of the children in youth and foster care are, they're seeing psychiatrists, they're being given uh, medications. Uh-huh. You know, they have all of these yeah. diagnoses. And I was like, well, I need to understand the clinical part of it because, uh-huh. you know, like there's so much there that here I am now working as a parenting coach, you know, mm-hmm. like with parents and families. And it's been recent that I have realized that I have become the person that I wish my mom had. Mm-hmm. To help her? To help her. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I've had a conversation with her as an adult, you know, um, and I, you know, and, and, and I kind of you know, asked her, like, wasn't there anything that you could do that you could have done differently? You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, couldn't you have left him? Like you were, we were already like receiving so many food stamps and, you know, she, I know she got like the medical insurance and Medicaid or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, couldn't you have left him? And mm-hmm. she was like, no, I couldn't, you know, like yeah. referring to my stepdad, I haven't talked to her in a really mm-hmm. long time. Um, I did send a message and it's really interesting. We're, you know, we're coming back around to what we were talking about with um, wounding and trauma healing. <laughs> there is an element that I have been really thinking about lately with the way that I'm parenting my kids. I have two boys. They're mm-hmm. amazing. I have an eight-year-old and five-year-old. I've learned a lot about being a mom, you know, since mm-hmm. being a mom. I mm-hmm. don't think you ever really know oh, yeah. no. what you're going to be like <laughs> yeah. as a mom until you start And it has unpacked so many things in me that I didn't Mm -hmm. even know were there. Just triggers, you know, like things that Mm -hmm. I didn't even think would would have been an issue. But at the same time, I, and I cry sometimes because I'm Mm -hmm. like, this mom that I get to be to them, Mm -hmm. like how beautiful and how wonderful that I get to be that mom that Mm -hmm. I wish I had growing Mm -hmm. up. Like, Mm -hmm. I have friends who, you know, like they have their moms in their lives as adults, you know, Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. have moms who will come and take care of them when they're sick. Mm -hmm. You know, they help with the kids whenever they, you know, need it or whatever. I am jealous, you know, a little bit. And I'm a little bit like, man, I wish I had that and I'm missing it. Like, I feel that I am missing it. You know, not that I need somebody to take care of me, but it's just really nice when you're sick or something, you know, for somebody like to be that nurturing person Mm -hmm. to like take care of you. And you said earlier, you said, um, I'm the caregiver, Mm -hmm. you know, and I take care of and, and I, I find it fascinating that you said I became the person that I wish my mom had. And I thought, you know what, in some ways it's almost as if you have created an identity in yourself to go back in time and heal as you begin to step forward into the next era of your life Mm -hmm. to see what is it that you want that's about you yeah, rather than what's about what happened historically and how you're still trying to care give for the past. Right. You know, and what is it that you want for yourself as you go through these phases of healing and taking on you know, whole new endeavors in your life for like body healing, mental healing, you know, recognizing the way that we tend to react. I think that there's two things and you can correct me Mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, but I, it, to me, it appears that there are two ways that we tend to work with abandonment. Mm -hmm. And that is either we 
have no boundaries or we have hard, hard uh -huh. prison walls around us or find ourselves. Yeah. Do you know Melody Beattie? Um, she does sure. a whole lot of books about codependency. Okay. And, um, and I, and a friend of mine has been teaching me a lot about, um, that she was a, she was a care, she's a caretaker and she's, um, she doesn't have the boundaries and didn't have the boundaries mm -hmm. with like her parents. And, and then she spiraled, mm -hmm. you know, after there was some loss there. And so she's, you know, she's helped me through some of the things that I've That's been awesome. learning, learning about. She went to recovery mostly for codependence yeah. and it has to do with attaching ourselves, but being caretakers for a lot of times people that have very, very strong prison walls because of their abandonment mm -hmm. attached to people that have no boundaries. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of seeing some of my own reflection in things mm -hmm. and saying, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. And yeah. why did you um, take on that identity? You were taking on the identity that you, that you were the caretaker. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and now you're seeking in your time of healing, like someone to hold and care for you, mm, like yes. to be held, yes. you know? And, and I almost reject anything that any, like, and this is something that I'm realizing too, like I need that space to heal. And if somebody is needing something of me mm -hmm. that, that does not allow me that space, I can't give. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just something, you know what I mean? Like, like it's something that I'm realizing, like you, I just had that revelation, like uh -huh. just now. Yeah. I'm like, that's why, you know, I've been pushing certain people and things away, you know, I'm yep. like, okay, it's because if they need something from me and I cannot give it, right. I'm not, you yeah. know, and I think that's where I'm setting boundaries with myself as well. And like yeah. realizing what I need. So now I know why I need that. Yeah. You know why I need that space. So I think that that's, thank you for and helping me realize that. it's always a little bit easier to like give uh, our compassion to people, our empathy to people mm -hmm. outside of, mm -hmm. you're very proud mm -hmm. of the mother that you like, you know, and I think that, I think that we strive to be everything that we didn't have for us. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, in the midst of that occurring and you're, pr and you're proud of that. Mm -hmm. And of course you are, mm -hmm. but at the same time, in the midst of that occurring, you're not necessarily caring. You're okay. Here's my revelation okay, that okay, just came out me. of that. And that is, um, your inner child needs you to mother your inner mm, child. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that's something that can be turned back. Like I was telling you that, and this is going to be a very, something that I haven't said out loud. And my mom's going to be like, what? <laughs> when she hears this, but I hated Aislinn Jameson. Mm -hmm. I told yes. you that earlier. Yes. And yes. I have been, and one of the things that I would have been taught recently is you have to begin mothering your inner child. Mm, yep. And that's, and when I, when I realized that I hated Aislinn Jameson, I didn't hate Aislinn Campbell mm -hmm. and I didn't hate AC and I didn't hate, you know, all the different identity versions of masks and clothing and uh -huh. covering I'd put on myself, but I hated Aislinn Jameson and she was that little girl. Right. And when I started looking at that little girl and mothering her and holding her and you know, whatever. And I think that I, I, I hear in your healing that, that you're ready to start 
mothering and caretaking for yourself, yes. Yes. which is making you put up boundaries potentially to other people Yeah, that yeah. you like you can. And I told you this earlier, I can do anything for my own kids. Like yeah. I can give, I can hold, I can touch, yep. I can, yep. you know, whatever, but I couldn't do it for a lot of other people. Right. A lot yep. of other people didn't get that access to my compassion, to my empathy, to, mm -hmm. to be that close to me. Um, and it's because my inner child, my, or, or even my rebellious teenager mm -hmm. was like saying, no, you know, screw all y'all <laughs> yeah. get, get back. Yep. You are yep. not welcome into my yep. circle. Um, and, and can't this, handle you right now. Yeah. Like, and can't handle some, it. some mothering that needs to occur there. And that's, a for different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Like right. your, your reasons for it are different, but there are similar reasons too. Like oldest child caring mm -hmm. for, you know, or, or trying to be the one that's quiet so that something doesn't happen in the right. household, yep. you know, like, and me, me to make it very clear, there was no abuse occurring mm -hmm. in my household, mm -hmm. but there were definitely, you know, I was raised by young parents yeah. that were still figuring their shit out, you know, and we don't know how we're going to be. You said it earlier. Yep. We don't yep. know how, what kind of mother we're going to be or how we're going to be right. with things until we're put in that scenario right. and we're actually dealing with it and we're facing it every day. And every single encounter with a child is an opportunity for learning. Like, yes, I, I learned from your children when they came out here the other day. <laughs> I mean, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, but to recognize that and to yeah. take responsibility for those moments and understanding that our children are, I, I have learned years ago, but embody it more every day. And that is my children came here to teach me. Yeah. That's literally like, I think that's why we have children yes. <laughs> to teach us things. Yeah. Right. You know, as opposed to what we've been taught about having children, which is we're here to teach them. Mm -mm. I know that one of the major things that I rolls around in my brain all the time is what's wrong with me. Right. And that is something that I, you know, like it's something we say in society, like what's wrong with you? You mm -hmm. know, like, and it's, it's usually something when you do something wrong, you know, like mm -hmm. what's wrong with you. And so whenever we talk about, you know, brokenness and wrongness, you know, and all mm -hmm. of those kinds of things, that is where I am really working with parents mm -hmm. and myself. Like number one, it starts with me right. and the way that I talk to myself and the way that I talk to my children is to move from that fear mindset, you know, like mm -hmm. of being broken, of being, you know, like something wrong with me mm -hmm. um, and really working towards a more like, okay, where is the, um, where's the healing, you know, number one, we're, we're mm -hmm. working on healing our own, um, parent wounds, you know, and all of those different kind of things, understanding where our parenting styles come from and yeah. how we can, you know, how we, as a society of parents nowadays, how we can gain that awareness around our own, um, upbringing, you know, you've talked a little bit about mm -hmm. it tonight, like our own upbringing and the different things that we have going on. And I noticed you were like, you know, well, I wasn't ever abused, you know, mm -hmm. like you were never hit, you know, and all of those things I was. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting concept because, um, you, you know, I'm trying to think of the way to say it. Um, you know, we are working towards a less fear and more faith you know, based mm -hmm. way and loving. So love is another word, um, mm -hmm. and actually respectful way of parenting children. Mm -hmm. And so in that we're taking away 
those phrases, you know, Mm -hmm. um, of brokenness and wrongness and all of those things and replacing them with support, like Mm -hmm. real true support of Mm -hmm. what, you know, how we can help our, help our children, uh, manage life. Life is stressful. Like Mm -hmm. we've all experienced it. Like life is stressful. And there's this like collective, like belief that, um, you know, uh, the, the world is hard. So it has, you know, like we Mm -hmm. have to be hard on our kids because if not, they're not going to know how to handle the world, you know, and tough love and, you know, all of these different kind of things. And, um, and I'm over here saying like, your home needs to be the safest place for your child, you know? Um, and, and it's interesting it's hard for people who didn't grow up in a home that was their safe place to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, and of course there's this whole like, Oh, well I was spanked or I was sent to my room, you know, without any emotional regulation skills and I turned out fine. Uh. And you know, (laughs) are you sure, (laughs) you know, like any, any kind of, um, I call it punitive discipline, Uh huh. you know, um, it does, it fosters, um, it does not foster connection. It fosters disconnection Mm -hmm. with ourselves Mm -hmm. and we don't understand. So a lot of people think like the more that you, you know, baby them, the more that you try to, you know, um, try to, I'm trying to think of the words to say, but the, you know, like they think that you being with them and wanting to help them through their issues is babying kids, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, but really and truly it's what real support is. Mm -hmm. Like, it's an interesting concept because a lot of people don't know what to do with it because like I said, we don't know what we haven't experienced. Right. Um, so my job, which I love, and I talked about it earlier where I feel like I am being that person that my mom could have used, you know, Mm -hmm. um, as a young parent, um, and really supporting, moms and dads. I work with parents. I work with moms, dads, can be grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever has the kids, you know, like Mm -hmm. in, in their, in their home that they are just like, I'm not sure how to connect with them. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure, you know, like what the best way to discipline them is, you know? And, um, and so, cause the only map we have is what we, how we grew up. Right. And then what, they put in the media or, you know, whatever. And they're certainly not. And then, or the school system, which punitive responses is how Mm. they handle things in the school system too. Yeah. You know, sit down, be quiet. Like it's the opposite of what you're talking about as well. So where would we even learn how to parent differently? We're, 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 we're way showers. We're creating completely new maps. Yes. It's amazing. I was at a school earlier for a college and career fair and I saw a kid get pulled out by the principal. I don't know what he did. I didn't Mm -hmm. see, but he, she made him sit on the bench behind me the entire rest of the career fair. Oh, and I, you know, I know. And I'm like, I gave him my business card. I was like, here, give this oh, to your parents. You know, oh, like, yes. I was like, I was like, maybe his parents, you know, need some support, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. So, um, okay. God, I mean, as we're like becoming aware of all of these things, and then we're still schooling as if it was a hundred years ago. Yes. We're the only still... thing we stopped doing is using the paddle. I think. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. It makes me so sick to my stomach because the school system hurt me and my brother so mm. badly. And my brother particularly because he was um, labeled ADHD when he was mm. really young. And mm-hmm. then, you know, of course, once that happens and, and he had struggles and everything like that, but he was 
always in trouble and he was always being pulled out of class and he was, you know, and it, the last what? thing you would want to do with a kid that has ADHD is not let them go to recess and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And it's like to hear that they're still like, that there's still that kind of right. like, you know, and I don't, not uh, all schools probably and not mm-hmm. everything, but you know, yeah. um, when the schools are so big though, it yeah, just, they, it, it makes it really difficult. Yeah. It Cause I watched does. that happen with the school my kids went to, they were, went to a small school uh-huh. and then the school got really bigger, bigger, bigger mm. by the time they got, and now it's definitely a bigger school, Yeah, but it's like when they were a small school, they, they kind of had their own roles, right? You know? like, yeah. My daughter didn't wear her shoes until she was like, 12 or 13 in junior <laughs> high and they didn't mind they put a basket by the door and that's where she put her shoes Ooh. in case there was an emergency. Okay. That's that. Like we make rules based on the kids rather than the rules based on zero tolerance. Right. Here's what we do. Yes. And it's, and it's the size of the schools and all of that. Yeah. Anyways, not to get too deep right. on, into that subject, yeah. but yeah, that, that really like that triggers me. Yeah, no, I totally hear that. Oh. Um, you know, like, pushing our knowledge onto other people and like what we know, it's really hard for me not to do that sometimes. Like, so I have another example. So I was at the, the, I was at, um, the grocery store. I was by myself, you know, I was Mm -hmm. shopping and, um, I heard a dad tell the little boy, um, I told you not to walk away from me. And then I heard him spank the child Mm. and, and, you know, and I almost, I was trying to walk yeah. away and Makes I was your gut like, hurt. and I was <laughs> yeah. like, I was like, okay, I feel like I've got to say something, you know? And I was trying to, I was trying to be like really diplomatic about it and not like blaming mm-hmm. or shaming the parent. But I said, you know, there's other things you can do. You don't need to spank him to get him to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wasn't, you know, like, and then, um, and then he was like, yeah, yeah, just go on, whatever. And yeah, then um, yeah. I can't remember. I said, I just, I'm just trying to give you something to think about, you know, whatever. Defen- and then his defense is going to kick up regardless of right. whether you he whether he appreciated what you had to say or not. His defensiveness right, is right. going to kick like, up. Like whether he thought about it, I was like, yeah. maybe even if I say something now, maybe he'll think about it later on. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but and then he called me a bitch, you know, and I was like, okay, yep. whatever. I walked away. The partner, the woman um, walking back through the store. And I almost like, I almost wanted to go and give her one of my business cards and be like, if you ever need help or somebody to talk to, you know, but then I didn't know what he would do to like, come back at me, you know? And, yeah. and so it's yeah. really hard for me whenever I see something like that happening, you know, I want to stand up for mm-hmm. the child who doesn't maybe have anybody to stand up for them. I'm not here to tell parents what to do. I'm not here to, um, you know, blame them or shame them or really tell them, you know, that they're bad parents. I, I will die on the hill of there's no such thing as a bad parent. There's no such thing as a bad child. Mm -hmm. There's just things that we need to figure out and communicate and work on, um, and understand about ourselves because at the end of the day, it's all about what is happening inside of us. Yep. 100% the way that you relate to the world, the way that you relate to your kids, um, how you view them, how you view them, how you talk to them. Mm -hmm. It has to do with what's going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I understand there's a whole, you know, like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. Um, so it is harder for people who've experienced trauma you know, it is harder for people who are living in poverty. Yep. It is harder for people who, um, you know, have trying to get the basic needs, right? Like have Mm -hmm. substance abuse issues. Mm -hmm. It is harder for people 
who don't have a secure roof over their head, mm-hmm. you know, to even think about, you know, like changing their mindset and no. all of those different yeah. things. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is a way, yeah. you know, like there's always a way yeah. to build up and to continue to, um, to grow. And I'm just, I'm here to help people. Yeah. I'm here to help parents. I'm here. I, I want to help create peace in our homes and with our children and yeah. hopefully create more peace in the world down the line, because we are not just in the business of cha- I'm not in the business of just changing my family. I'm in the business of changing families yeah. for generations to come. Yeah. Like not just me, I'm not doing it by myself. There are many parenting coaches out there. There are many people out there who are doing what I do, but I'm here. I'm here to help whoever wants to yeah. receive it. I would guess that you're probably going to go a bit, go through a bit of the phase of learning that I've been facing. Mm-hmm. And that is, I have to, I have to communicate to the people that are coming to me and asking for help and know that that's enough of a ripple to change the world. Yes. It just doesn't feel like that because we've been taught to believe that it, it doesn't work like that. But yeah. I believe it 100% works like that. And I think that the, the sphere of influence that we have that's ready and willing to hear what we have to say is the sphere of influence that, and there isn't anything I can do to convince people to change their diets no more than it, than there is anything you can do to change, uh, that scenario over there. Mm -hmm. Right. When people aren't ready, you can't right. rip uh, the security blankets off people. No, they're no. not that because <sighs> because they don't even hear they don't even hear what you said. Right, All they right. hear is that you criticize them. Right. Even if yes. you didn't, yes. even if you came from a place of peace. Right. Even if you are a compassionate, loving heart. I mean, this is the battle I've been. I mean, I feel like I'm getting an aha moment by like just listening to <laughs> someone that. else talk about yes. it because I'm like, it doesn't matter how peaceful and loving I am in my core they're not ready for me to rip their blanket off. Yeah. I lost a relationship because of, I continued to keep trying to get to, to give somebody something they weren't ready for. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I, I, I 100% believe that that was a huge part of my part. Now I have to learn about me and Mm -hmm. now I have to learn about, you know, fixing my part of me. And in the midst of that, it will fix all that other stuff. Yeah. But I, but it's not self-directed. Mm-hmm. That's God-directed. You know, that's a whole different. That. It's, it's faith-directed. So, okay. So if people want to get in touch with you for your business, can you tell us that information, please? Yes. Um, I actually have a website. Mm-hmm. It's called Inspired by Coach Cassandra. Mm-hmm. So um, Cassandra that is, with a K, you Yes, guys. with a K. Cassandra uh-huh. with a K. Um, and I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, Instagram is also Inspired by Coach Cassandra. And I have Facebook, which is my personal Facebook, Cassandra Villarreal. And then I also have a business page, which is Inspiring a Parent's Heart. Um, and so, yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Let's do the random questions. All right. Um, we get to pick. Yes. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay, I'm ready. Do you learn more when you win or when you lose? I learn more when I lose. Yes. However, I personally would like to change the aspect of me or to go into the next phase of me, which is I don't have to burn it all down Mm -hmm. in order to have the next phase of life. Or I don't have to have a crisis to have every opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I don't have to have uh, some kind of drama and trauma to 
to learn. Right. And, yes. and so I'm ready to like, I'm ready to learn from winning. I'm ready to learn from, I'm ready to learn from different things now, but yes. at this point in my life, no doubt. I've all, I feel like one of the things I want to change about myself is that I feel like I'm always in second place, mm. a lifetime of being in second place. What? Yes. Yeah. Bring so. those main character vibes, baby girl. Yeah, exactly. We got to do it. What about That's you? What do, what do you think? Um, definitely. Uh, okay. So what I learned from winning is how it feels, how it feels so good, you know, mm -hmm. like in, in myself, like whenever I win and, um, most of the time I feel like I'm winning, even just sitting in front of a parent and doing, you know, like uh -huh. just being, being in somebody's presence and actually being able to help them. Um, like even those wins, you know, like they may feel small, but I'm like, it feels like such a huge win, yep. but, um, definitely. So that helps me understand where my, um, calling is and where my passion is and uh -huh. what feels good yeah, to me. I like that. And then definitely, I, I definitely learn when I lose because it teaches me what I don't want. Yeah. You know, it teaches me, um, not only what I don't want, but also it, I, I learn how to do things a little bit differently. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like it's not a complete loss or a, com a cl complete failure. It's really about, <laughs> this is not what I wanted. So, you know, like how can I tweak it or how can I change it and make it different, make it better. I like that you pointed out recognizing how winning makes you feel mm -hmm. and then essentially pointing out how losing makes you mm -hmm. feel. Yep. And, and that I think is probably the most important thing mm -hmm. of that whole like process of this is how you make decisions. If it feels blissful and joyful and long lasting and all of the things that you listed, you know, that's how we make decisions. Yes. But somehow we never learned how to trust ourselves yep. and we were taught that our feelings weren't valid, uh, which has been devalidating females yep. or, or yep. the, the feminine aspect of humanity. Yes. Right. Uh, whether it's the, a male that has the feminine aspect, I mean, mm -hmm. like, yep. I'm not calling it male or female. I'm saying the feminine aspect, the feminine and the masculine. Exactly. The and the feminine is about intuition and feelings. And we've been taught that those are not valuable mm -hmm. and that you shouldn't pay attention to those and that they're impulsive and that they're da 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 da. And ultimately in my personal experience, it is the most important yes. thing. And so then, then I can make the decisions intellectually based on, okay, this is my passion. This is where I should be going towards. And mm -hmm. I can solve that problem with, you know, the intellect that I have to go with it. Right. Yes. So. I love that. Thank you guys all so much for being here at the dinner table. Thank you, Cassandra, for spending your evening with me and sharing wonderful. all of your great knowledge and also sharing your experience because I think that that's how we're going to change the world mm -hmm. is sharing experiences with one another, our network that bumps into each other, and we can um, spread information from network, from web to web, from as web we were web. talking about earlier. Um, thank you all so much for being here with me every week. Um, I was really appreciative of running across a comment from a couple of weeks ago's episode from C H E R D B R three, two, four, one. Sure. She said, I loved this. I learned so much. It was so entertaining. Thanks for, uh, having your podcast. I enjoyed it. Uh, and that was from the episode with Michael green and that was a great episode about gardening, man. We talked a long time about gardening. 
And, but thank you guys so much for doing the comments. Um, I would love it if you would do more of that. You can actually do the comments on the show notes. Like if you go to dinnertabletalks.com or you go to Spotify or really wherever in the show notes is where you're going to be able to um, tell us what you think about the podcast. But also feel free to review the podcast on any of the platforms you use, um, like, rate, uh, you know, anything. And then, of course, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, it's right there at the top of the show notes. It says support the podcast, click the button and uh, throw five bucks at me. That would be really helpful for me to be able to continue this huge commitment. But also I love it so much and I love having dinner with friends. Thank you, Cassandra, for being here. You're welcome. Thank you all so much. Mm -hmm.